Happy Monday. Welcome back to another episode of Latitude's In Session Podcast. I'm pretty excited about today's episode because, once again, stuck in a rut grind here in Ohio. And who better to talk to than one of the best Ohio rut hunters that I know, Mr. Byron Horton himself. Byron, thanks for uh, taking some time tonight to jump on the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it. I think that's a higher accolade than I deserve. I think I'm really good at shooting bucks on day nine of your 10-day vacation, if you will, or day day 10 of your 10-day vacation. I mean, if that was the time frame, then I'd have like, I should have like five bucks on the ground. I think I've hunted (laughs) way too many days this year in Ohio. It's been... It's been crazy, man. It's been a grind for sure. So I just wanted to hop on here and pick your brain a little bit. I'm also headed to Kansas in a couple of days and I know you haven't hunted Kansas, but like I said, I've, I've, regardless of whether you want to admit it or not, I've watched you over the last, you know, six years, seven years, and you lay down some rut box and you get on some rut box. So yeah, yeah. So let's, uh, let's dive into that strategy if you're cool with it, man. So right now it's November 12th. So where's your head at as far as your rut strategy at this point? Yeah. So, uh, one, hopefully you have done some scouting kind of this, the, the final five, 10 days of October and kind of narrowed down your does and current, like kind of bucks that are using your area for the rut. Um, my, a few things come to mind here about this time period is one, if you're an Ohio hunter in particular, like I would not be super pressed because we, we have the delayed gun season. I think we get a few like 10 days still of really like good hunting and obviously like that that third to fourth week in november like it's kind of a a travel period for bucks like i've hit i've almost hit more bucks with a vehicle that time of year than any other time and seen more bucks from like roads necessarily during that time i've had a few encounters but yeah that late november can still be really nice um some other thoughts i have around right now stay off social media it looks like everybody's shooting bucks. And I think mentally that can can work you up. I think hopefully you've formulated a plan. You're going to stick to it. You're going to focus on yourself. And I think you still have to do what I call during the rut. You got to do what's hard and you got to do what's right. That's tough um, to do. And what I mean by that is still those little details that, that essentially lead to opportunities you're still fine-tuning gear. You're still getting in early. You're still just doing the extra things to when you get your final 15 seconds, you can tap them. Man, I'll tell you what. I mean, that's a, a great foundation for success right there. But a lot of those things are hard to stick to. Um, the waking up early. You know, I've been, been going hard for <laughs> like seems like an eternity this year. But um, I have struggled with waking up early a little bit. And I, I managed to get out of bed, but I'm a bad snooze guy. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'll set the alarm. I've been driving an hour and a half. So I've been setting the alarm for 2.30 every morning. And I'll tell you what, I get laid down in bed about 10.30, you know, come home from the hour and a half drive after dark. And that's with an hour hike, try to be a good dad and for, you know, a couple hours at least before I lay him down. And then I finally get laid down. It's like, all right, well, I got three hours before I got to wake up and 2.30 comes and that alarm goes off. And I, you know, I might set six or seven alarms five to eight minutes apart just to make sure that I don't oversleep, but I normally push it right to the edge. But yeah, I agree with you, man. I think uh, I think sticking to the plan at this point is such a big part of what's happening. One thing that I've been guilty of in the past, which I'm actually really proud that I haven't done this year, is I typically would abandon the plan and then just start bouncing around like a rabbit. And that never works out for me. I never seem to have success doing that. It seems like when I get settled into an area and then become intimate with the particular deer movement of that year, because in my opinion, the movement in those areas is a little bit different every every rut. 
uh, you know, you could have like me logging operations that take out all the leeward ridges. So they have to cruise the windward side now, or you could have different oak groves or a new clear cut gets put, you know, it could be a bunch of things. So I think, uh, I think like you said, just stick into the plan already having somewhat of a predetermined area picked out, um, is definitely, definitely key. You know, I've, I feel like I've had a lot of good encounters this rut. It's just been trying to get this specific deer in front of me. That's a little bit tough. And then obviously slinging arrows over his back doesn't help. Yeah. Now I'll say this, uh, just backing you up a little bit, the sleep thing. I have two thoughts. One, I used to do a lot more, uh, all day sits. And one thing I would do is come down to the tree at like 1 PM. I generally like to, to at least sit till noon up, up in the stand, but like 1 PM, a lot of times I'd come down and either nap at the base of my tree. If I was going to stay in location all day or nap at the base of my tree and then pull the set and move for my evening, evening hunt or evening post. Um, that's, and I'll down. say this too. I'm yeah, I, I'll say this too. I'm a big proponent of, okay, if you are hunting multiple days, a, guy, a lot of guys say sleep in. I think that's shit in my opinion uh i've killed way more bucks in the earlier hours during the rut than i have the later hours and yes maybe it's just due to the 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 fact i hunt more mornings but like if you go for a morning hunt i feel like you get the initial rush of deer movement maybe like the the girl brings them by you you know right on her tail or uh, or maybe you catch that oh that 10 a.m to noon type window of when he's bebopping searching like the bedding areas for him like you get almost like two maybe even three occasionally you get some noon type movement where they they shift or whatever like i hunted yesterday and i saw one deer um oh let's see here one i had the 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 hillside explode with a chase scene in the dark 5 30 a.m no idea what was really happening just knew it was happening and then saw a doe like one doe real quick early in the morning saw nothing for like four or five hours and then from 11 to noon i had two uh does come by my like scrape type setup uh slash oh I was kind of in a good area where if bucks wanted to go check three uh, different uh, doe bedding areas. So like scrapes, doe bedding nearby, compounding features. And sure enough, 11 to noon was almost my hottest ticket of the day. And uh, I was sitting on edge there for the next 45 minutes, you know, when they did, they'd walk by just thinking, oh man, something could be right behind them. Yeah. And that was actually one of my questions for you was your favorite time of day. Um, man, I've seen it all over the map, but I do feel like every time I get down midday, mm-hmm. I, I have a good one walk by and it's at the point now where like yesterday I made a midday switch and the whole time I'm telling myself like, don't get out of the stand. Don't, you know, I, I like psych myself up. I'm like, as soon as I take my camera arm off the tree, camera base off the tree and let my bow down, he's going to run by. And so I, I do believe a lot. I would say that my favorite time frame is probably in the hills the, the whenever that switch happens you know sometimes on a sunny day it could be like nine o'clock and then some days on a cloudy mm-hmm. cold dreary day it might even be more like 10 o'clock but i feel like as soon as those thermals switch and start pulling uphill and you'll you know you'll have the random doe come by you at 8 30 or 9 o'clock to bed down well as soon as she gets back to her bed and the thermal switch i feel like those big boys know to start running and you know mm-hmm. that's that's typically when i seem to have the best encounters would you have a favorite time is it is it first thing in the morning yeah 10 to 2 yeah so so 9 to 11 just ballpark 9 to 11 you know the morning movements come in and then it's just like yeah i feel like that's when i see see we uh the bucks moving or the bucks with the does um nine to 11 is kind of my favorite time and and i think where i was going on that last rant before i got excited about my prior hunt was uh 
I give up the evening hunt way more than I give up the morning hunt. I just, I'm personally not as dialed, like during the rut, like I want to sit compounding features, doe bedding, uh, places where bucks want to check does going into bedding. Like those are my like setups and I can hunt that thing literally until like two, three o'clock before I feel like this isn't near as productive now. And so like, I'll just like at that point, okay, I've hunted three quarters of the day. I'll go home. So I get to bed on time so I can get up early and keep going. Cause like my goal is one of those mornings, I'm going to catch the explosion. I'm going to catch what I need to happen. And, and so that's, that's kind of why I do favor the morning. And I love that nine to 11. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. And I think that le- leading up to like November 3rd or 4th, when the bucks are still in my opinion, in their core ranges and they're just, you know, they're traveling a little bit further at night or they might get out of their bed a little bit early. I think the afternoons in that time frame can be pretty good, but I think there's like a light switch and yes. it's like November 5th-ish. It seems to be down here in Ohio anyways, where that movement pretty much switches over to the morning. And what I do is it's a good opportunity to get down and, you know, stay refreshed, but also to spend time with the family. So it doesn't seem, you know, if you can make it back for dinner, Every night that you're hunting, well, you could hunt seven days a week, probably if you had the time or had the PTO and your wife's not even going to know you're gone because you're back for dinner. You're hanging out, you're watching a movie with the kids, you know, giving them a bath, putting them down. And then you just sacrifice and wake up at two 30 and get out there and get after it again. Yeah. That's been one of my things since having kids is hunt three quarters of the day, get back because one, your wife is tired more at the end of the day. Right. And generally like those closing type responsibilities, as far as, you know, getting dinner cleaned up, get the house organized, kids to bed, like all that you're home for. And now you're getting to bed earlier yourself because you're not driving back one to two hours in the evening. Um, yeah. I'm a firm believer in volume hunting and less PTO, right? Sometimes I'm able to get back two or three o'clock, work for two to four hours and kind of conserve time away from the, the death job or the day job, whatever. Some people can't do that. Some people don't have the flexibility. Um, you're blessed if you do have that, but but I, I've been doing that since having kids and, and I like that because I get more more November mornings and uh, the more of those I can get, especially oh, before November 20th, let's call it the better. Yeah, I agree for sure. Um, so you did talk about compounding features a little bit and I want to get into this. So what does that look like for you? Like what's your favorite spot to look for where, and what features are you trying to compound to just have the most success? Yeah. Uh, big picture one, multiple targets. Like I know that sounds dumb, but during the rut and, and especially now that we're pushing the second half of November in a couple of days, like I'm just trying to kill a deer, like a night, a good buck. So I would rather hunt in a a system, a farm, a piece of public where I'm like, yeah, there's two to three shooters versus just one. Uh, So that's like step one. And then compounding features. Like I want two things minimum working in my favor as far as uh, maybe it's a combination of habitat plus terrain. Maybe it's a combination of, oh, hunter pressure plus terrain, doe bedding nearby. Now I've got three things. So my all-time favorite is like, I like military crest, hogback near or in doe bedding. We're like, I've got a hogback coming up that maybe okay, they want to cruise the upper half of it. Military crest where they can like peek down to lower levels. You could get some sort of habitat type thing that puts those in the area or physically right there where all three of those things combine. Like that's my favorite thing. So let's what's a what's a hog's back? I know the answer, but I've had quite a few people oh, ask me because I've been hunting them too and posting about it. So just do your best yeah. to explain a hog's back real quick. Hmm. I- 
I feel like it's a an erosion or drainage type cut in a hillside where it like makes a little like mini valley. Yep. Uh, uh, Jake, I feel like I'm describing that. So let's say uh, it's a big, uh, big steep the, ditch. The, 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 yeah, you're standing there at the the base of a, like uh, a roof, right? A, a pitched roof. A hog's back would be like oh a erosion type cut that would go towards like the peak of the roof and, and let's pray it stops either halfway up two thirds the way up now any deer running that whole ridge hopefully works his way towards the top of that hog's back now some bucks will cut it short by 10 yards 20 yards uh, you're like oh the de- the best trail is at the very top of the thing for sure but sometimes the buck stops 10 to 20 yards short of it and just, just kind of screws you. You, 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 you i do sometimes look to maybe hedge my bets if you will if they're going to take the most beat down trail or maybe they cut it short by 10 20 yards yeah yeah i've seen the same thing and that's I've been talking about this a lot lately, but I really like hunting the most rugged terrain I can find, you know, the steepest, rockiest, most cliffed out terrain I can find, because when you get those hogs backs in that situation, they're just not even traversable. You know, like if you fell in it, you'd break your leg right up to the point where they cross above it. Like this one, the one I'm thinking of, the one I've been hunting, if I, you know, the, the drainage starts 50 feet from the top of the ridge. And from the point where the drainage starts to about 10 feet down that drainage is almost a 20 foot drop in that drainage compared to the Mm -hmm. terrain around it. So it's this big, steep, I mean, super steep drainage that there's, you know, it's 20 feet down, but it's only like eight feet across. And so the deer have, they, they cannot possibly get across that thing. There's no little, you know, micro trails or anything. And the bucks have to walk around it, you know, in a lot of, a lot of circumstances, they might not do that, but I'm doing the same thing you are. And I'm no expert at this by any means, but I have had, I mean, nine or 10 encounters in this exact same spot. I've been sitting the same tree over and over and over. And reason being is this buck is just, this is his area. And there's a couple does in there. And I know that at some point he's going to come through. But so basically I have a ridge, the main ridge runs north, south. I've got two ridges on each side right there. So a sub ridge that runs east-west, so they're both 500 yards long. So it creates two different saddles right there while those subridges are clear-cut. And then there's a clear-cut on the leeward side that's it's dirt. So the windward side has this little bowl in between these clear-cut subridges, and it's actually kind of an internal of a cut anyways. It's really grassy, and there's vines all over the place. And then right there where those saddles yeah. meet, there's a hog's back that only leaves 50 yards of traversable ground from the hog's back to the spine of the ridge. Well, that deer doesn't want to be on the spine of the ridge. So what they do is they come out of those cuts through those saddles, up all those transition lines. I mean, I've got, you know, four transition lines, two saddles, four ridges that all meet right at a hog's back that I've been hunting and had some great encounters. I mean, I miss, I just missed my shot. I just soared an arrow on him, but I think that that's kind Mm -hmm. of the same thing that you're looking for is those compounding features as much as possible. And it's, in my opinion, it's, it's pretty hard to find those up top. So when you find them, it seems like they're pretty productive areas. I have a lot more success finding them down low, but it's just a matter of being able to a hunt that spot with, you know, wind conditions and everything else. And then B the whatever deer you're after actually going through that. Like the deer I'm after just doesn't go low very often. So I've, I mean, I've, I've hunted low for them once all year. But yeah, so I mean, I I completely agree with you. I think that, you know, I saw a thing about Andy May talking about this too, and about just compounding features. You know, you can, Mm -hmm. anybody can look on a map and pick out a saddle in the middle of the hardwoods and be like, I'm going to sit that saddle. They might have success doing it, but I think you're going to have a lot of, lot of lonely, boring sits up there, not really seeing much of anything in most circumstances. 
And same thing with the hogs back or same thing with the clear cut transition. But if you just put all those together somewhere, if you look at your maps, you know, look at your satellite map, look at your topo map, look at your LIDAR map, look at your leaf off imagery and use all of those to try to just find this X marks the spot almost where all these things come together. It's probably going to be a pretty good starting point in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Now, I I'm not a map guy like so. So like generally a lot of these ambush points that I have either found in season scouting or off season scouting and. And it's kind of like sometimes you, I, I feel like you miss some of these little sub features where um, and sometimes they're like smaller type hogbacks or just one of the better military crests. Like you just kind of fall upon it scouting, if you will. And it, it almost yeah, I don't know. I think it's kind of like a golfer's eye where sometimes he really likes a certain hole like. I have found the, these spots and I'm like, yeah, dude, like I can feel it going on here. Spidey sense wise. Like, um, I, and, and a lot of times I feel like I find these spots and they have current rubs, but old rubs as well, or, or, you know, sign from multiple years. And in my mind, at least I don't know this to be true to anything, but I'm just like, okay, yeah. Like come the rut, the bucks come here for some reason and they've left sign and must get a little competitive because he's leaving sign. And, you know, like I, I, I get really fired up when I find those type of spots where, uh, current rubs meet old rubs meet some of these terrain type options um in the 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 oh the whitetail woods if you will yeah and i do agree like man i feel like i look at maps a lot and then i correlate what it looks like to boots on the ground and it never looks exactly like you think i do think i can get close sometimes but the spot i'm in right now for example i mean i've literally worked my way two miles north of on this ridge system this year chasing this same deer and mm -hmm. I keep having encounters with him or with other mature bucks that I'll, I'll see a deer, right? I'll see him come out of there and work a spot. And I'm like, oh, I got to go over there. And so I work that way. I kind of feel like a like a 16-year-old kid hunting deer again where I'm, I'm seeing and observing deer and I'm moving. But so that brings me to my next question for you is when you're in these spots, when you find a spot like that, how often do you find yourself switching trees? And what does it take to get you to switch trees? Because Man, I've been sitting the same spot, like I said. It's only, I mean, I can draw you a 50-yard circle, and I've sat four different trees within this 50-yard circle based on the specific wind conditions of the day and based on where I think the travel is going to be. You know, like, for example, if we have a south wind, well, I want to be up higher towards that spine with the wind blowing in my face. But if we have a north, well, I yeah. don't want to be above the trail anymore. Now I'm below the trail. And typically the north comes with a cool wind, so my thermals pull longer. So I'm sitting right above the hog's back, letting my thermals suck down into that hog's back throughout you know, the most active time of day. But each one of those comes with its own risk and reward. Because at some point, the thermals are going to dump if you're up high. And the deer travel below mm -hmm. you, they can smell you. And at some point, if you're low, they are gonna, they're going to pull up enough to where a deer could smell you. And so... For me, it's like, what tree do I sit in today based on the conditions, the time frame I think the deer are going to come in? I probably overcomplicate the heck out of it, to be honest with you. But what's that look like for you? So one, I am I am debating this literally for tomorrow morning's hunt, where uh, the the ambush point I'm I'm looking at, I will still be throwing milkweed on the way in, but like I think I found the kill tree that works really good, and that's just based on like two hunts. Okay, if I I think between the two hunts I've seen ten, twelve deer. Um, you know this the the tree I'm thinking about. Okay, let's see here. Six of the the twelve deer were within twenty yards of, or, uh, 
you know, versus if I was in the original tree that I hunted the first time, I had um, a lot of deer at 25 to 45 yards. And like you said, I might walk in there tomorrow and the wind might be doing a little something different. I might have to adjust, but I think that's part of the game. And and by volume hunting it, hopefully you pick the right tree on the right day. I have done that where I, I've been bounced 20 yards, bounced another seven yards. Uh, um, I think I've got to switch a tree uh, over this scrape because the tree I'm in is almost by the time I get really high in it, it's it's too thin and it it moves a lot if I stand up fast where I can feel the platform shaking if you will. And I'm like, oh, I don't like that if I'd have to shoot a bow real quick on a buck. You know, my I, I literally think I got to bounce to a different tree that's just uh, maybe a harder wood or, or a little bit more stout of a tree because it's a spot I want to get stupid high in. Um, and too, I'll say this too about the rut. Sometimes my wind's not perfect. I'm like, dude, I got to shoot him before he catches. Oh, a, th- um, a thousand and- percent. Yeah, I'm yeah the, that's a little cowboy, a little western, if you will. But like, it's the rut. We got to do it. It is what it is, man. Like, so it just, it's kind of funny to me because I think a lot of people hear mobile hunting or, or see us hunting features like this and they think that we're just bouncing between one and the other all the time. But what's really happening, at least for me, is most of my moves are less than 15 yards between day to day. Like, I'm like, okay, well, I sat, for example, I sat the tree I would have killed this buck out of the day before I had a shot at him and I had a big 10 point come in and I was worried about the big buck doing that. So I sat up the hill further the next day. And so I I shifted. And then when that big one comes in, well, he ran the transition line 35 yards downhill that, re- I mean, you know, basically there's an X marks the spot of eight trails at 20. Well, he's too wise for that. So he comes in at 35 downwind of it like down thermal pole of it and runs the trans the hard transition line between that cut and the hardwoods. And so my shot is 35. He's the only buck that did that. You know, so like then you get into that too, where it's it's like, okay, do I wanna do I prioritize all the trails or do I prioritize the trail in that situation? And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think some days he might come down all the trails. Some days he might stick to that one, but I don't know. I just find myself going day by day and real time making that decision. I I haven't said I was going to set a tree and went in there and sat that tree yet. I get in there, I throw a bunch of milkweed in the morning. I'm like, you know, all right, I guess I'm going to sit here today. But I'm even when I get in the tree, I'm kind of, I, do you do this or not? Like I get up in the tree and I kind of start second guessing why I'm not in the other tree. I'm like, oh, this one's too small. Oh, the wind's doing this. But if I was in the other tree, I'd be doing the exact same thing. <laughs> you know, it's. Yeah. What, what, what hunter doesn't. Uh second guess the tree if they're willing you know especially guys that are listening to this podcast are a little more like guys that be like oh yeah I, I move all the time um so yeah i think every hunter second guesses it and like dude i yeah i i second guess dude the other day i went for a hunt and i seen this buck cruising it was an afternoon sit and he got me so fired up jake i came off the the ambush point where i was wanting to go and i was so fired up from seeing that buck cruising at like three or four o'clock in the afternoon I got, the, I got up the tree, I realized, and it's a higher set, four full sticks with eighters, or three full sticks, double eighters on all, yeah, high high hang. I look over, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that really good trail that I had scouted seven days before that leads from level to level, it's 40 yards. And I'm like, dude, I know myself. I want that deer, like, 16 to 20 yards. Like, so I literally 
look at the number one trail I wanted to hunt. And I totally forgot about from getting fired up from seeing that buck and tore down and shifted over. And once I got there, I said, oh yeah, this is like, if, if things play out here, this is a much better setup. Um, yeah, I, I second guess. Um, and I will say this, you, you, a, a thought sparked me. I am much more okay with sitting a tree or ambush point multiple times during the rut. Rewind five years ago, I was always move, 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 first sit, first sit, first sit. And I heard Tony Peterson and Andy May talk a little bit about this. Sometimes you got to give the tree a chance. And so multiple days is not necessarily a bad thing. Man, I'll tell you what. I've so I've sat the same 50 yard circle for oh man I want to say that I've been in that spot tell probably 10 or 12 days trying to you know think about it in my head right now but I, I think 10 or 12 days and day one I had an encounter with that buck I'm after and I had an encounter with a 150 inch 10 point at 25 yards and I let him walk I let, <laughs> I let him he was feeding at 25 yards and I don't know what was going on through my head I had a bunch of things going through my head but regardless I had an encounter with that 10 point again three days later and then three days ago I had an encounter with that buck I'm after that giant again sitting the same spot I mean and I've been walking across all their trails with my boot scent it hasn't rained I've had a bunch of other bucks come through there like man I had two does feeding underneath me at 35 yards in or not at 35 uh 35 minutes before daylight yesterday at five yards probably and they smelled my boot scent and acted a little weird but they just continued on throughout their day i think there's hunters walking everywhere right now and so boot scent is just kind of the name of the game and maybe i'll probably get crucified for that on here but i'm telling you i've seen some some giant eight nine year old bucks come back over and over and over and i still have confidence in sitting in that same spot like I, you know, not every spot in the woods is going to just have deer walking by it. So if you, if you find one and it's active and they keep walking by it, why move unless you have to? Yeah. I think you let, you know, let your local does and let your local deer kind of tell you if you do burn a spot out because I'm like you where some of these spots I'm accessing, like I've got to put boot scent and get dressed at the base of the tree. Like I'm definitely leaving residual type uh odor but again we're doing this november 15th november 10th like if we were doing this october 5th and 10th like that's such a different game that and again this is an evolutionary thought of mine over time like during the rut that ground scent like doesn't necessarily destroy you like it would if you were especially hunting like my family farm like october 5th like if i was hunting that in leaving a bunch of ground scent getting dust, uh, dressed at the base of the tree like i would be a lot more concerned that my local does would uh pick on to that and not like it so much but but yeah i think i think you 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 let the tree tell you if it does go ice cold well then then you move but if you if you think that's where it could happen and you think that's your best play on the day why not just give it another chance i killed a buck um three or four years ago and it was like my fifth or sixth time onto this ledge i had scouted it october 12th and started hunting it like november first second like like early november and I just thought, man, like I'm going to catch it when he, and, and sure enough, two or three hunts, I'd seen like one or two deer. And then I caught like the, like two or three days where I had the does come through a couple of bucks. It was just, I caught it on the right day, um, and was able to close the deal. But yeah, I, I definitely think ground scent is not as uh, much of an issue right now. And I think that's going to change here in about 10 to 12 more days but hey jake i got about five minutes if you will yeah that's perfect we'll wrap it up real quick so uh vocalizations you see a buck pushing a doe you know shooter buck 80 to 100 yards off and they go over a different terrain feature are you grunting at that deer are you trying to rattle at him what's what are you thinking i, I hate to call it a deer 
I like. Or, it. I mean, I call like three times a year, so I am not the one to to, to talk uh, calling type tactics. I, I mean, I, I've never had much success besides younger deer, and I know that a lot of people do. You know, people rattle in big bucks in Ohio on public every year and kill them and grunt at them. But me personally, I just I'm an ambush guy more than anything else. Like I do have a grunt tube with me this time of year. I don't rattle ever anymore. But I keep the the grunt tube with me, and every once in a while, if I see a buck, I'll give them like a little tending grunt. And sometimes they get curious, sometimes they don't. But I, I agree with you overall, man. Um, well, that's pretty good, Byron. Let's keep let's keep everybody updated on the next couple of weeks of your season. If you end up killing one, we'll have you back on to dive into some more detail. No, no, no. It's what. Ben, let's put positive energy out there tomorrow or Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's exactly. You're right. I I need to talk to you more often. I need more of that positive energy around the rut. I'm I'm personally ready for uh, late season and chestnut oaks on top of ridges. I feel more confident about that at this point. I think. Okay, okay. I'm I'm telling myself this week is going to be a good one. If you will, I really I like calling your uh, shot. I've killed I think a couple bucks. Yeah, fifteen, sixteen. If you, I, I think I've gotten three bucks over the last couple years on the 15 16 time period so I, I got the grind buck on the 16th so there might be something to that oh yeah yeah generally you get better weather temps too the, you, you get later in november so i'm i'm thinking positive yeah i love it man i love it well hey good luck i'll be out in kansas this week guys so uh good luck to you and i'll probably just be i don't know if i'll have signal or not to post stories but just be trying to get a buck so i hope you guys are having a good season hopefully you've already filled some tags if not Hopefully it's on the horizon. Actually, it is, according to Byron. It's on the horizon this week for you. So good luck out there, Byron. Thanks for hopping on, man. Absolutely. All right, everybody. That's a wrap for today's show. Thank you for listening. If you could, please head over to iTunes, leave a five-star rating and a written review. See you next time.